Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. You know, um, if you've joined us for the first time, we've been doing this uh, four-week series called Warrior. Um, it's been a four-week series, sorry, it's week four today, but you know, this four-week series is, is probably one of our first um, sermon series that us as a Southside admin and, and ministry team have put together uh, that we felt what God was has been doing in this, this year, but definitely in this season that some of us are going through. Um, you know, and, and one thing I really sense too is in our worship time, um, you know, a lot of times when you go into worship now, I'm talking about worship as in regards to wor- worship on music, with the music, uh, when it comes to Christian music, the praise and worship, you're clapping hard out and then you get to the, the, the slow songs and all of, all of a sudden it's a sweet sort of thing. You know, I want to, I want to tell you in your season right now, you, you during the praise songs, you push, you battle. During the, the, during the slow songs, if you want to put it that way, you push and you battle. And don't get airy-fairy with your worship and think, woe is me. Oh, what a, you know, there's a sweet aroma, but there's a spirit of a warrior in you that God is calling out in the season of your life. And, and I want to encourage you every time you're listen, listening to any worship slow songs or, or, or praise fast songs and stuff, I want you to think the mentality of a warrior because a warrior does not walk around, you know, skipping along with his sword, you know, in, in his hand like this. Oh, yeah. A warrior, it's, it's serious business, eh? Um, you know, and we were talking about uh, in our staff, you know, it's like a gunslinger. You know, you can tell a gunslinger um, when they walk through the bar. You know, if you watch cowboy movies and all the music, the piano is playing along and everyone's dancing and talking, and as soon as he walks through the door, the music stops and everyone turns. This is a stranger, he's not just a stranger, they know he's a gun, a, a gunslinger. And there's a stench on him, and he's got cuts, and, he, and he's got, you know, you can tell that he's walked through a lot. And he just walks through, that's all it is. And I just feel there's a season now where you need to walk like that. That there's a stench on you that it's the Holy Spirit. It's God that has put it on you and it's saying, son, daughter, it is time to walk like a warrior. It is time not to just skip around and thinking that God may turn up. It's time to push the enemy back. And so I really want to encourage you this morning as we finish this sermon series. Um, if you get the chance and you haven't, um, have a listen to the other three sermon series because the other three um, just, just will help in how do we walk like warriors here in Southside in this church for what we're doing and for what you're doing in your life um, that's coming ahead. And so, you know, we're, just a quick recap. Uh, week one, we looked at uh, the promise, you know, the promise to a warrior. Pretty much God has promised you greatness, but in order to see that promise come to pass, you need to walk, learn how to walk through you know, through, there was a tunnel that, that Cecilia was talking about. There's a, that tunnel and you can't see the end of it, but God is walking with you through that darkness. You know, and, and if you remember from that, that week of the promise, the, the wilderness, we called it the badlands. You know, and so we need to learn how to walk through the badlands and learn to walk with God during those seasons. 
because it's not just one season. There's going to be different times in your life that seasons pop up and, 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 and go and then come again. Some of you may be walking through some bad land seasons right now. And so you need to wor- learn how to walk through it with God. You know, week two, it was, Lord, we looked at uh, the praise in a warrior. You know, we need to learn how to keep fighting by praising and worshiping God, not just through music, but just the whole atmosphere of praising him and worshiping him. And when we worship God during our, our life battles, right, it changes your attitude towards your fight. It changes the atmosphere you're surrounded in, and it changes your perspective towards your situation. And when then we, week three, just last week, the presence of a warrior. You know, we learned about David's life, you know, and his downfall of sleeping with another man's wife. But within this time of his sinful act, we learn how he reacts to being in God's presence after being exposed for his sin. And so those are the three that we've, looked at as warriors, and you're thinking, man, that is not a warrior at all. Have a listen, and you'll find out. Please remind yourself. This week, week four, we get to focus on David as king. He's a king now amongst the people in his life, and we'll get to learn about his reaction um, that he has for the future of his people, the Israelites, when he was king. So let me start with, with a verse that will guide us through today's sermon, okay? And, and I want us to be thinking about this verse as often as you can as I speak today. And it's found in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 36. And this is pretty much what it says. David had served the purpose of God in his own generation. Two things I want to bring your attention to as we reflect on this verse behind me. Number one, what is God's purpose that you are serving? What is God's purpose that you are serving? Number two, are you serving God's purpose in your generation today? Just a personal story here. When I was 15, I think I may have shared this a while ago. I can't remember, but when I was 15, I wanted, I actually wanted to be a good thief. Um, not a chef, a thief. I wanted to be a good thief. Uh, these are the lessons that you learn from Kirsten and Boys. Jokes. You know, and, and I wanted to be this, uh, to be honest with you, I wanted to be a professional thief. And that, I'm, I'm not I mean, that was my number one purpose and goal in life. And I, he asked my, my sister, Sissy, she would say, yeah, nah, he was trouble. He was a little thief, all right. And to grow up and, and be this professional thief, to be a good thief, right, you needed to practice stealing. <laughs> and so, you know what my problem was? I was never good at stealing. I wasn't good at it at all. You know, there was this one time, hang on. <laughs> Should I be sharing this? <laughs> Turn off the recorder, those things, eh? No. Okay, maybe let's put it this way. I had a friend during this one time, and, um, and that friend, he, he stole from a local dairy out in West Auckland, and he was chased by cars around that certain area, but he was able to get away because my friend, you know, he had planned his getaway route before trying to steal. 
And so, you know, this getaway route, this getaway route was by foot because he was 15 years old, as he told me, so he had no car, he couldn't drive, um, you know, but he, he had a good getaway plan. Now, the reason why he needed this getaway plan, right, was because if the shop owner caught him stealing, he could at least make a run for it. You know, and, and the getaway plan that he had was only good to go by foot because, you know, the route that he, he had planned it, it actually, um, cars couldn't follow him. They could follow him for so, for so far and so long, and then if they wanted to continue, they had to hop out of the car and then run and chase him. But then my friend had a different route where, it, you know, if the guy would, the person would have to decide, should I leave my car or should I keep following this guy? And so the thing is, my friend, who might neither confirm or deny his existence, you know, hypothetically, he shared that he had to run from so many shops every time he was trying to steal. Why? Because he kept getting caught. He kept getting caught red-handedly from the store owners. He was useless at it. And he had a dream, you know, and a purpose to be this professional thief. But as time went by, he was just getting tired of always just running from shops. He never got caught when being chased. He just always got caught in the act of stealing from every store. And so he stopped you know, stealing from shops and stores and he started burglary. No jokes. I'm joking. My friend is good. You know, what, what, what I mean, you think about it. What purpose are you serving for your life in this generation? You know, let me bring you uh, to the life of David and I'm going to be focusing my attention from uh, the book of, of Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 17 today. And feel free to turn there and I'll come back to that part of the story shortly. And during the series, you know, the last three weeks, now that it's the fourth week here, I hope you were able to catch a bit of history about David. And so here's my quick timeline, timeline of his life. You know, he was anointed uh, to be king at the age of 12 is what it was believed. So he was, he was still looking after his dad's sheep at the time. And as a young kid, he's known to be this great musician. Um, and, and not too long he, uh, after being anointed, he, he ends up playing his harp in the kingdom before the king at the time who, the king at the time was King Saul. Uh, at the age of 17, he faces Goliath. And he defeats him by killing him using his trustworthy uh, slingshot. David makes a name for himself after that as, as this mighty warrior. You know, and if you remember in week one, we talked about his one hit wonder. You know, of killing the mighty Goliath, he becomes famous overnight. But the king at that time, which was King Saul, right? Here's how popular David has become, and King Saul, he becomes jealous. And, and Saul, what Saul decides to do is he tries to kill David. He wants him dead. And David hears about it, and so he does a runner. He runs away, and the thing is he has nowhere to run, so he ends up in the Badlands, um, if you remember us talking, um, the wilderness. And it's believed there uh, that David spends around nine years in the Badlands, and, and he only returns back to Saul's kingdom after Saul has died. It is only then the people make David the new king. David is now 37 years old when he becomes the king of Jerusalem. Remember now, 
He was anointed to be king at the age of 12. He never became the king until he was 37. Such a journey when God promises you something, it will eventually come to pass if you're willing to be patient. Now, as this new king, David begins sorting out everything in the palace. He, he brings back all the men that were hiding in the badlands with them for those nine years or so, and he makes them, the, you know, the mighty warriors uh, that take charge in leaving his, leading, sorry, his whole army, and he organizes a place for the Ark of the Covenant so that he could have God's presence, you know, close by to him, and, and this is where it gets interesting, because long story short, David, he plans, right, to build uh, a temple for the Ark, for the Ark of the Covenant, and so here we have David settled in his beautiful palace and, and he realizes the Ark of the Covenant, it has no place to be, to, to sit and rest. Now, for those who don't know, the Ark of the Covenant, it's, um, I'm going to really basic terms here, is a gold-covered wooden chest or treasure chest, if you want to put it that way, and it had a lid that had, a, 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 had golden cherubim, you know, two-winged angels on the top of the lid, and inside the ark, um, this gold-covered wooden chest were the two stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments, and there were other things as well, um, but these were the main things that people knew um, at the time. And this ark was designed to be a symbol of God's presence in the midst of his people during the Old Testament times. This was important for King Saul to build a temple for this ark. Can you imagine, David, he's had this great idea that you, you know, that, I mean, when you, even yourself, you have this great idea, right? And you feel God has given you and you really sense it's him. And the idea is so amazing, it keeps you up all night. You know, for David, I have to wonder if he was even able to sleep that night. You know, one could only imagine the ideas flooding, you know, through his, through his mind that night. Design ideas. I mean, he had the money. He was wealthy to do it. So, you know, he could create whatever he wanted to for this building, but he had the design ideas, the decoration ideas, ideas of ways in which he, he would be able to show his awe and, and his reverence, and especially his love for God. But God, um, God, he had other plans. If you can imagine with me now, how David is lying in bed that night, excited to be thinking about building a temple for the Ark of the Covenant, you know, tomorrow morning, well, in the other room is the prof prophet Nathan, and he's fast asleep. And God, during Nathan's sleep, speaks to him. And God says this to Nathan, and he reads, That night the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. Ouch. Just think how he was dream shattered. David is, is right now, you know, he, he's he, to, to have woken up the next morning, right? Ready to, to make plans as the king. You know, with the click of a finger, he could get all the, you know, he could get the ball rolling. 
But instead, he wakes up to, this is what the Lord says to you, David. You're not the one to build the house for him. Did David get it wrong? Did he not hear from the Lord of Lords clearly? What about your life? Ever been in a position where your heart is set on something that it ends up not being God's will? How did you feel about it? Were you dream shattered like David was? Maybe you started blaming God that it was his fault. One current example I can think of in my life, last year, I was offered this, it was like a dream business opportunity um, to opt into it. And it was given at a discount price, um, which was great. Now, the founder of this organization, he literally dropped the price down because he was doing myself and another friend of mine a favor to jump on before the price got too high for us to afford it. And you see, myself and this other friend of mine, we were, we were given this opportunity three years ago uh, to jump on to the business. And I remember back then, I, I didn't really research it. I didn't really look into it that much. So, you know, I ended up missing the, the cutoff date three years ago um, to this investment. And to me, it was no biggie because if I was really serious about it, um, I would have found the money somewhere to invest. Well, three years later, I find out that the investment of this business had grown. And if I had joined in the beginning three years ago, my money would have already tripled today. And so this was a second chance for me because what had happened is a friend had contacted again and said, hey, look, uh, you know, the owner is giving just you two an opportunity to jump back on this um, Caught on a favor. You got three weeks though to come up with the money. However, the money's gone up just a little bit more. Um, but if you jump in now, you won't regret it. And, and we both agreed. I, I definitely did. Um, and this time, I did my research. I had three weeks though. So I did my research uh, and looking into the business, you know, and then I felt good about it. Um, I even prayed and I fasted and I was thinking, uh, there was a time, at the, at the time I was thinking of, do I need to travel overseas to, to look at this, this site and how it ran and, and the organizers and, and the owners and everything. And everything, you know, was up and run, running, obviously. The door was wide open for me to jump on board. I just needed the money. And I prayed and I fasted, like I said, pretty much for those three whole weeks, trusting God that he'll bring the cash. And you know what? It never came. <laughs> if I had invested in the second time, which was last year, my money would have doubled again today. And you kick yourself. I mean, I was gutted because I missed out in something that I could have invested in. And I felt, you know, I was, I wanted to set it up for the next generation. That was my whole heart. I really trusted that my heart was good about it. And I knew it was for the next generation and, and for my family and I wanted created wealth to do God's work. It never came, didn't open for me. But God had other plans. And that 
I guess, to be honest, that investment wasn't part of it. <laughs> Maybe later, I don't know. You know, it's hard at times, as a Christian, as I've been learning, it's, it's been hard to discern God's purpose and will for my life at times. There's probably been times you've received confirmation like me. And even David, you know, David, he sought confirmation from, prof, from the prophet Nathan. I mean, look at what David says when, you know, he's sort of asking for advice kind of thing. And this is what, with Dave, uh, prophet Nathan's response, he says this, after David was settled in his palace, you know, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am, I'm living in this house, this beautiful palace, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord still lives under a tent. Nathan the prophet replied to David, whatever you have in mind, do it, go for it, for God is with you. Wouldn't that be good confirmation <laughs> from a great man like Nathan? Nathan was David's right-hand man in regards to, to hearing from, from God and receiving confirmation from God. But even the prophet Nathan got it wrong. You know, as a pastor of this church, and I've been in pastoring now for almost five years. You already, a lot of you already know that. Myself and my wife, you know, we came into this role unexpected. That's the honest truth. Straight from a full-time job into being this acting senior leader for this church. There was no one in front of me to take lead and there was no one behind me to take on any roles as well at that time to take that lead. It was just me and Weens. We were it for this senior role. Where we, you know, were we ready for the job? Definitely not. <laughs> Did I want this job? Heck no. <laughs> Look, this is the first time I'm going to share this. And I don't know, it might be a bit embarrassing because it's, it's, it's personal. You know, but no one knew that before we even came into full time, six years ago or so, it was a time I was having sleepless nights for a good six months where God would just put dream upon dream on my heart and on my mind. Six years ago, or seven before I knew a lot of you, and many things I wrote down back then and at the end of 2011, in the beginning of 2012, when I was still working in the education sector. And as I look back at those notes that I wrote, which I actually looked at last night with embarrassment, can I read a little bit of a snippet of what I wrote back then? 2011, there's no swear words, so it's all good. There's no pictures, so it took me a while to write. But this is what I wrote. A bit random, a few random things, okay? But I wrote this question and I said, Why, Lord, have you given me and Rowena a heart for Southside? We weren't living out here, but we sensed we had a heart. And I listed uh, some things. And I said this this is what I wrote. Both me and Weens felt God calling us out of South when we were living at the time in North Shore. 
A vision of having one of the best arts universities in the world. People from around the world will want to study here. Breaking a poverty mind. Remember, this is six, seven years ago, so it's quite a mature sort of ways of how I wrote. But breaking a poverty mind in a poverty area. Not letting Pacific Islanders think little of themselves. And I put in red, never again. I'm tired of being told what is best for my people. The Lord has chosen the weak and the fools of this world. And I wrote this verse down, which I've shared quite often. Five will take a hundred, and a hundred will take 10,000 to flight. And then I wrote, just journaled, and this is what I wrote. All I think about, Lord, is to move our church back out south. This is when we were currently at Auckland Girls. Wasn't in full time. Wasn't even thinking about it. I want to finish MPD. I wasn't even doing MPD. I hated the thing. <laughs> MPD is raising support, for those who don't know. At that time, I want to finish MPD because I want to focus on bringing vision to our Southside Church. I'm faithful, but I'm nervous. I'm encouraged, but I'm unsure in this idea, Lord. But I grieve for the people you birthed me into. I know there are Pacific Islanders in the whole of Auckland. Then why don't I have a heart for the Pacific Islanders in West and East and North? Is my thinking too small? I don't feel that at all. I believe in a strategic plan to advance a bigger backyard, the South Pacific. Please, Lord, make it clear if I am to fight for this and that it's a call on my life that is a desire of your heart and not mine. From Southside to South Pacific, my backyard. From Southside to the world, your purpose. Some of those dreams, the end of 2011 and 2012, those were my very notes. To me, I feel it's slowly coming to surface because it's God's purpose. It's never been mine. David had served the purpose of God in his own generation. Now, I've personally been disappointed over the years of pastoring on, on some of the plans that I've done as a pastor of this church. I've failed in many areas. You know, I've seen people leave because they've found it hard to adapt to change. I've, I've seen people leave because I'm a, I've offended them through the way I've pastored and counseled them. Many I still don't really know the reason for their leaving. All I know is I'm to serve the purpose of God in my own generation, in my own time today. Why? Because it's bigger than me. And it's bigger than you. And so my question is, are you prepared to be used? Here's some 
challenges, uh, thoughts out here. You prepare to be used by God to be part of an army of warriors that may leave this post here in Southside to maybe join a future church plant in places like Tonga and Samoa, Cook Islands, Fiji, or anywhere else outside of the South Pacific that has this very church sent out. Is God giving you the purpose to grow your wealth maybe? whether it be through starting a business that will bring in millions of dollars just so you can give it all away to the community we are trying to reach. It's not a mistake that Pastor Bruce McDonald has come in to teach us about wealth. Has God prompted on your heart maybe that one day every nation's south side will have a building of our own for the purpose of his work to be accomplished out here. Remember, I didn't have a heart. I didn't even know I was going to come into full-time ministry, yet I wrote those very words. King David may have felt disappointed that God made it clear that he wasn't the one to build the temple, right? But that wasn't the final thing God said to him. God had more to say to David through, through the prophet Nathan, and this is what He said, I want to read a few things here. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says to you, David. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock as a shepherd boy, and I anointed and appointed you ruler over my people Israel at the age of 12, remember. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men on earth. Skipping to verse 10, I will also subdue all your enemies. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. One of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build the house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him. Verse 14, I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Do you hear what God is saying here to David? I mean, if David, if he got offended, right, from not being the chosen one to build the building, feeling sorry for himself because he wasn't the one to, to build that temple, he, he would have missed God's words of comfort in the verses I just read. He would have not have heard God's promises of, of this amazing grace. But it's great to know that David heard and he understood God's words. You see, God didn't just say, David, no. Instead, God said, David, you're not going to build a house for me. Instead, I'm going to build a house for you. And it's not going to be a physical house, which will eventually rot away. No, I'm I'm going to establish the house of David, a dynasty, a dynasty, and it's going to last forever. Cut a long story short, David's son, Solomon, took over the throne when David died, and it was him. Solomon was the one that built the temple of God. Remember those verses I read when God said to David, when your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise you your offspring to succeed you, one of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom and his throne forever. 
Man, God made it clear that this son of David would rule forever. Yes, Solomon reigned for a long time, but not forever. The ultimate fulfillment of this promise, it lay in a baby who would be born about a thousand years later in the very same town in which David was born in Bethlehem. This king wouldn't be born to a queen, but to a young woman named Mary. Now, this king wouldn't be born in a palace, but in a stable. Yet this king was the eternal almighty son of God whose throne endures forever. Who is today ruling all things from his position at the right hand of God in heaven. David, he was humbled that God promised him a throne forever. And that has come to pass because we all know now that it's through Jesus Christ. Now, for me, if I sat in my woe is me attitude and I look back at all my past failures and hurts as a pastor and, and wallow around in that pain and regret and never choose to move on, I will forget what God promised me for the purpose he has called me to do all these years ago. I don't want to miss out being in God's army of warriors that are standing guard and, and, and pushing back the enemy against all the evil strongholds that he fires at us. If I was able to write and journal down things six years ago, and to this day, I'm still encouraged by those words that I wrote, then I want to stir up each of you that God wants you to be in this army of mighty warriors as well. You are called to serve the purpose of God in your generation and in your time today. Why? Because it's bigger than you. He wants to pour out his grace on you and I just like he did for David. And I mean, David's reaction, right? Once God told him that he would establish his throne forever, he was so overwhelmed. It was too much for him to, to comprehend. But he goes, stands before God, and this is what he says. He says in... Uh, Verses 16, he says, Who am I, Lord, that, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And is it there, and, and if there, this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant, Lord for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all things and great promises. And now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant, David, me as his house to be established forever. Do as you promised so that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him so your servant has found courage to pray. To you. You, Lord, are God. You have promised these good things to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Lord, have blessed it, and it will be blessed forever.
You know, just as I finish up here, as a people of uh, here, every nation south side, can I tell you, we haven't even scratched the surface for God's purpose in life, for this church and for your life. We here are the generation to help reach the next generation for Jesus, who in return will continue reaching lives for him, and so forth, and so forth. There is a blessing that comes when we choose to walk in unity within the purpose that God has individually shaped us to all walk. We can't go to battle alone. There's so many things that some of you may have been facing all this week. And I pray that you've sat and spoken to someone. (laughs) Because you can't do this alone. There's a verse that I can remember. No man is an island. (laughs) You sit on that island by yourself. It's boring. We do life together. We can't go to battle alone. We, We need each other to see God advance his kingdom here in South Auckland. And out there in the world. Where will we be in five years time? What would have God shaped in your lives in five years time? But not only that. This house. For this community. For this people. For the South Pacific. For the world. We need each other during the hard times. And we need each other when we celebrate every battle that we win. We do this together. A warrior needs an army. This is an army right here. We walk through, we fight through, we cry, we celebrate. Please, don't do this alone. In this season of your life, how I said, people are going to see the stench and smell the stench on you that you're a true warrior for him. What is that? It's his anointing. And you won't be able, you don't need to try and Show that you have the anointing. Just because I wore a tie today and hardly wear a tie doesn't mean, you know, I could have come in shorts and a singlet. Still the same ulu. Would have still preached the same. Do you get what I mean? And so I want to encourage you, after this sermon series of four weeks we've had of the warrior, what is God showing you for your personal life? to do and if you need to refer back to these sermons just just jump on and have a listen see what God is challenging you maybe some of you have been having some sleepless nights on on him just trying to dive into your life did you ever realize that it might be for five years from now I sure didn't know all these things that I wrote six years ago you here I stand today Best choice ever. I love my life. I love this church. I love what I do. That's where I want to see all of us together in unity, fighting for Him. Let us pray.